It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome again to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. What a huge win for the Blue Jackets on Sunday beating the Edmonton Oilers at Nationwide Arena. 5-2 was the final score. That was an important game for Edmonton. They needed those points. The Blue Jackets were able to match their intensity. They were able to step up their game and take care of the likes of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, even though Dreisaitl did get a goal in the game. The Blue Jackets just simply raised their game to another level, and they played like a playoff team in getting that win. What a great win it was. Blue Jackets fall behind one to nothing. They tie the game. They fall behind two to one. They tie the game. And then Nick Blankenberg gets his first NHL goal. He gets it while running the top power play unit for the Blue Jackets. Yes, you heard me correctly. Nick Blankenberg was running the top power play. This is a guy that just a couple of weeks ago was studying in college at Michigan. And now he has his first National Hockey League goal, and nobody could have been happier for him. The ovation from the crowd at Nationwide Arena when Nick Blankenberg scored that goal was surprising even to me. And I say surprising because I just feel like there is an appreciation for this guy in the way that he plays. Like, I could sit there and think, okay, 18,000 people, they must all know his story. They must all know his backstory about how he's – undersized and he had to play high school hockey because he couldn't get a crack at any kind of a junior program and then he had to go out to Alberta and play in a junior B league then he got noticed and went to Michigan not as a scholarship player but as a walk-on and he played there before finally getting a partial scholarship and acting as the captain before his college career came to an end I just assume everybody knows that story they don't I'm kidding I'm not assuming that whatsoever. But here's what I do know about Blue Jackets fans. When a player goes out and puts his heart on the ice in everything he does, every shift that he takes, when he is noticeable and he is working hard and there's that blue-collar mentality and attitude, that is noticeable. And that has been the case with Nick Blankenberg in the handful of NHL games he has played in his career. But it was really evident against the Edmonton Oilers. Early in the game, he had a great shot block against Connor McDavid. They threw him right into the fire. Here you go, kid. Think you can play here? You think you can play against the best in the game? Show us. And he did. Boy, did he ever. And then the goal by Jack Roslovic that gave the Blue Jackets some breathing room and some insurance and Cole Sillinger adding an empty netter when it's all said and done. 5-2 to two, the final score. It was a closer game than that. But the fight was there, the desire was there, the will to win, and they got it done. And that was some kind of special to watch. Because you look at the schedule and you say, well, are you going to get another win before the season's over? Honestly, going into that game, you have uh, Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Now you have back-to-back games coming up against Tampa, where I don't even need to tell you what they have there. Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. Headman, and then, oh, just for good measure, 
Let's finish it off in Pittsburgh. Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel. I don't know how many other teams put Gensel in the conversation with those other guys, but he kills the Blue Jackets. So he's going in my conversation. So the last four games, teams that are going to the playoffs, teams that are still fighting for points to try to better their position in the playoffs or hold on to the position they have, important games for those teams. Those teams, everybody knew they were going to bring it. Well, the Oilers tried to bring it, but the Blue Jackets brought it better. And that's why they got the win. And that was some kind of fun to watch. So now it's time for me to answer your questions. Well, it's almost time for me to answer your questions. First, you know what I have to do. Tell you about the fine folks at Ohio Credit Union, where they have been taking care of people since 1934. That's right. They've done it for a long, long time, taking care of their members. From checking and savings accounts to loans that fit your needs, they have personal services that put members first. New home loans, used car loans, everything in between. They can help you finance your dream, whatever that dream is. They're also committed to providing members of all ages with free financial education resources. They've got an award-winning business services team that will offer you a variety of business loans and banking services to help you grow your business. They've got wealth management, a relationship-based service seeking to provide quality advice, effective implementation, and superior service. All of that and much, much more. Find out about all of it by going to their website at tellhio.org. Just surf around, click on the links, and you'll find what you're looking for. If you can't find what you're looking for, well, you have options. If you're doing it during regular business hours, there's a live chat option. You can click on the screen. Somebody will pop up and answer the questions that you have. Or you can also contact them through their website, get a phone number, send an email. It's all right there. It is so easy. Just go to tellhio.org. Tellhio Credit Union federally insured by NCUA. All right, here come the questions. And you know, I like to start with the voice questions first. Hi, Bobby. This is Jody. Yep, the Jody from Twitter. Also, uh, I live in uh, Northern Virginia. So uh, I've been really excited this whole season to see that we did have a lot more uh, female uh, fans step up and uh, contribute to the uh, CBJ and 30, which has been fantastic. Uh, so anyway, my question for you is, what has been your big surprises for this uh, season uh, besides the fact that we didn't finish in last place, but um, you know, just overall in general, what were your big surprises that you enjoyed the most for the season? Can't wait for next year. I know the season's winding down, but next year's also looking very bright as well. Thank you. Well, Jody, it's great to hear your voice for a change instead of me just supplying the voice by reading your question. And you're right, there has been more of that female engagement on this show throughout the course of the season. I appreciate that very much, and I hope that just continues to go up. But let me get to your question. Uh, you said the way you worded it was, what surprises me other than we didn't finish in last place? Now, you know, and I know you're an avid listener, so you know that I would have been surprised if we were in last place. And maybe that's what you're saying. Maybe I'm hearing it wrong. Or Anyway, that, I'm not surprised that they competed as hard as they did. I'm not surprised that they were in the conversation for as long as they were. I wish it was longer. I wish they would have found a way to really overcome all the odds and be in the playoffs, but that's not the case. We all know that. But they are where pretty much where I thought they would be, maybe a little bit ahead of where I thought that they would be. So from that standpoint, I'm not surprised. What does surprise me? 
I was surprised that Cole Sillinger was able to make this team out of camp. I was surprised that he was able to stay past 10 games, although that surprise was not as big of a one, after he, especially after he scored two goals in his ninth game. It was pretty obvious he was going to stay, but it, it still is a surprise. He's 18 years old, and my surprise is the way that he has just carried himself and he has uh, handled himself on and off the ice and what he has learned and how much better he is becoming. Um, you know, he's not the player that he's going to be two or three years down the road. He's going to be a better player next year, and I think he's going to be an even better player the year after that. But he has taken such great strides. So, I look, when he was taken last year in the draft, and then he had the great Traverse City tournament, and then he came in here and he just kept opening eyes, uh, I'm just surprised, pleasantly surprised he was able to do that and stay here all year and get the experience that he has. Uh, what else surprises me about this team? Um, we'll talk a lot about Nick Blankenberg coming up here in just a few minutes, but he is a huge surprise. Everybody knew Kent Johnson was coming out of Michigan. Nobody knew Nick Blankenberg was coming. I was going to say nobody knew who he was, but that wouldn't be fair because I'm sure people know who he is, and there, there are people that knew that um, he might get a chance somewhere, and that somewhere happens to be here, but he has been quite the pleasant surprise in these last couple of weeks. I'm surprised how much Adam Boquist has been hurt this year. I feel bad for him. It seems like every time he turns around, he's got some kind of an injury that has plagued him. I am uh, – Justin Danforth was a surprise, you know. I mean, this guy come out of uh, coming out of training camp got sent down to Cleveland, and when he came back up, yeah, he's 28 years old. I mean, he's trying to live his dream in the NHL being 28 years old as a rookie, and that just doesn't always work out. But it's worked out for him. That was another pleasant surprise. I, there are so many great surprises on this team. And there are other ones that are not so great. But, uh, you know, overall, I think we all feel the same way. And that is going into the offseason, there are look there are places on this team, there are positions on this team that need to be addressed. There's no doubt about that. And the personnel on this team has been looked at and evaluated over and over and, um, you know, I think that the management knows what they need to do. Now, do they have specific people in mind? If they do, can they get those specific people? If they can't get those people, can they get somebody similar to fit in and make it work here? Those will be the questions that will be answered over the course of the offseason. But I think that um, I, I think they're sitting in a good spot right now, just knowing what they have and knowing what they don't have and knowing what they need. Now it's about matching it up with people that may be available, whether it's via trade, whether it's free agency, who knows. So a uh, lot of surprises this year for me, Jody, and the overwhelming majority of those surprises have been positive ones. All right, here's another voice question for you. Hey, Bob, Paul in Columbus. I heard you on Aaron Portsline's podcast, and you guys talking about what you thought the Jackets' needs would be moving forward. And obviously one of those big ones being center depth um, for the Blue Jackets. And got me thinking about a guy that would be a good possible signing, and that'd be Claude Giroux. And I think if you signed him, you could let him be the number one or number two center. Definitely let Boone go back to the middle or back to the wing. He could essentially be like 
a younger Miko Koivu. I think the Jackets had ideas of bringing Miko in to kind of be a, a mentor or on-ice coach, similar to what Jake is right now for the young guys. And, you know, if you sign them to a two-year deal or something, you know, that's long enough to get the young kids up to at least Cole, Cole Sillinger into his 20s, Kent Johnson into his 20s, and, you know, teach them how to play center position get more comfortable with it plus he already knows jake i think they're seems like they're really good friends and you know guys with red beards look good in the union blue you know so anyways what your what your uh, thoughts would be on that uh possible signing if the jackets decided to go that direction well paul i like the way that you think you know guys in red beards and blue jerseys i get it i understand what you're talking about and yes claude Giroux is very close with jake voracek he's also very close with jody shelley who, of course, is a big part of the organization here. So there are some ties. Uh, my thing that I don't know about with Claude Drew is, uh, first of all, he's 34 years old, so you don't want to get into a long-term contract type of a thing. But what will you have to pay to get Claude Drew? Now, this year he made $4.1 million. So it's, he's getting toward the end here. He's got a chance to make a little bit more money. And he also has his chance to go pretty much wherever he wants to. Now, remember, when he was traded from the Flyers, there is only one destination he agreed to go to, and that is Florida, where he is right now. Now, if I'm Claude Giroux, and I'm not, if I was, I would be a lot richer than I am right now. But if I were Claude, uh, Claude Giroux, and the Florida Panthers wanted to keep me beyond this year, and they were going to give me a decent contract, I would very much consider staying there for a number of reasons. Look, they've got a good team, and they're going to continue to have a good team next year, in my opinion. And also, the Panthers, you know, they might be able to get away with a little bit less because you know you're going to be on a good team. You're going to be in a place where the weather is nice all year round. And oh, by the way, as an added incentive – there is no state income tax in Florida. That makes a difference. Florida and Texas. Now, some people will say, well, Tennessee is like that too, but it's not the same. Tennessee has other taxes that kind of, I don't know if it totally balances it out, but it's not the difference maker that it is in Florida and in Texas. So if I'm Claude Giroux, and if I like the weather there, if I like the area I'm living in, if I like being on a good team, and if I like to pay less taxes, and if the Florida Panthers are interested in me, and of course that is the number one thing, I would consider just staying there, just signing a couple-year deal and staying there. But if that doesn't work, or if somebody wants to overpay me, I would consider going somewhere else. And I don't know if the Blue Jackets would go in that direction, although I don't know if they wouldn't go in that direction. So that's an interesting name, and absolutely it would be worth watching. Because the guy's unrestricted. He can do whatever he wants. And maybe this would have some interest for him. Look, Jake Voracek's done a great job since coming back, right? I know he's only got five goals. He talked about it after the game on Sunday that he's unhappy with his goal total. But he's got over 50 assists. They brought him in to be a playmaker. And he has been a playmaker. There is zero doubt about that. So we'll see. But I like the way you're thinking, Paul. I like that you're... Uh, you're already looking ahead and thinking out of the box to an extent. 
I have an email here, uh, and, and the voice questions come to my email. I've got this question via email. My email address is Bobby Mac B O B B Y M A C at BlueJackets.com. Uh, Charles writes this a uh, couple of questions actually. It says, "What do you think the biggest cause for the West Coast slump was? Would you attribute it to the players that are out of the lineup, or the team just getting outplayed and outskilled?" Well, the players that are out of the lineup are significant, right? I mean, you had Wierenski and Line A in the first game, and then Wierenski got hurt in the first period of the second game. Line A didn't even play in the second or third game. So that does make a big difference, especially when you're talking about your power play. When when you've got Emil Bemstrom on the top power play, taking the one-timers from the circle as opposed to Patrick Line A, that's a big difference. No offense, Emil, but it's just a fact. Uh, when you have... When you have Boquist running the power play, okay, that's one thing. And he, he does a good job, and he usually runs a second unit. But then he goes down, and, and now you've got Jake Bean running it. It's just different. So the personnel thing is for real. Getting outplayed, look, they just fell behind early in all of those games, and then they were chasing. I don't think they were outskilled. I think that they uh, made mistakes, and they ended up paying for those mistakes just by getting in too big of a hole too soon in the game. It was the same game three different times. Every game had the same script, as it turns out. Uh, also, there's the travel factor. There's a lot of guys that hadn't gone out there and, and dealt with that kind of time change for that long. Remember, when we went to Western Canada earlier in the year, that was supposed to be a long trip. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, it got cut short after Edmonton because of COVID. So, you know, this was this is later in the year, and... You're also you're trying to play hard, but you're not going to go to the playoffs. And guys are they're trying. And what you saw against Edmonton, they could do on any given night. But when you put in some of the other factors there, um, it becomes tougher. There was that day off in San Jose, and and everybody just enjoyed being together. Whatever they did, um, you know whether whether they played golf, whether they went uh, to San Francisco, or whatever, whatever. They're just they're spending their time. They're, it's not that they're trying to lose, but to me on that trip, it's savoring the last moments with your teammates before the season is over. And yes, they were trying to win the games, but they just dug too big of a hole to uh, climb out of. Uh, Charles says, do you think that all the young players getting more playing time is a move to see what is in the talent pool for next season or out of necessity with injuries? It's both. It's absolutely both. And I think in some ways, it stinks to have guys out of the lineup with injury, but you're getting to see players play, um, not only just play, but maybe playing some different roles that you think they might be able to handle. You can now find out if they really can handle them. So both is the answer to that. And he says, lastly, why don't we as fans ever see the injured players at the rink or present at all when they aren't in the lineup? I know they're recovering and on their own schedule, but in other sports, the NFL, NBA, etc., those players are still at the games and seem to be around the team. I know you can't fit an injured player on the bench, but it would be nice to see a presence. Well, Charles, most of the reason is because of their treatment. They are getting treatment around the regular healthy players getting the things that they need. So that either means they're coming in early in the morning to get treatment before the other guys arrive, or in the case of a game, many times they are getting their treatment during the first period and uh, or if they are able to work out, they're doing that stuff. So it's just a different schedule. It's not that they're not in the building. Uh, they are most times, if I don't know if it's all times, but most times 
they are down there in the dressing room in the players' lounge. So you may not see them, but that doesn't mean that they're not around. They're not in the room with their teammates when they're getting dressed. They're not on the ice playing with them, but they are around the building. It's just a different schedule. And I know players always say, well, it feels like you're not part of the team. And that's because your your schedule works around the healthy guys. But you still see them. You still talk to them. It's not like you drop off the face of the earth for two or three weeks. Um, you know, it's just not the – that's just not the case. So uh, they're around more than you know, I guess is my way of answering that question. They are around more than you know, even when they are injured. All right, let's go to Twitter. At Bobby Mac Sports on Twitter is where you can find me, just like Scott Lim did. Scott says, given the way the season played out and the whole mess of injuries, do you think the brass will be less inclined to make moves in the offseason because we truly don't know what a full healthy roster looks like? Scott, I do not believe that is the case, and I'll tell you why. Because even though you may not have had your full roster healthy for long periods of time, what you have done is you've been able to see everybody play and you've been able to evaluate. So you don't need to hang on and say, oh, well, this guy, maybe he would be better if everybody was healthy. They don't need to do that. They've seen everybody play. They've evaluated. They know what they need, and – I expect them to make moves in the summertime. How big are those moves going to be? I think they could be very big. I think they could be significant. Excuse me. I'm so excited I choked on the word. I think they could be significant what they go and do. Uh, But that's a a could be because you got to remember, there there are always things, and every team falls into this category, there are always things that you really want to do. There's that ultimate plan, pie in the sky thing, but sometimes you don't get a partner to work with you, whether it's another team, whether it's a, an agent whose client is going uh, free agent. So, you know, you've got plans and backup plans, but uh, I don't think that uh, not having a healthy roster is going to factor in one way or the other. They've seen them play. They know what they can do. They know what they need and they know what they can afford to lose to get what they need. Mark Carell, the second says against the Ottawa senators on Friday, Kent Johnson was not out there during overtime. He's shown creativity with time and space. I don't get why he was benched, especially since we're beyond earning it this season. Throw him out there with Sillinger and Blankenberg. See what magic they can make. What is your opinion? Well, Mark, my opinion is this. We are not beyond earning it. That is not a fact. Nick Blankenberg is getting ice time because he is earning it. Kent Johnson will get more ice time as it goes along. He's trying to adapt and figure out what's going on here, okay? Talked about this uh, with Jody Shelley on last week's edition of the Inside Edge. Kent Johnson, 19, Nick Blankenberg, 23. I don't care what your size is. I don't care how tall you are, how much you weigh, any of that. That four-year difference is a huge difference in maturity level, and Blankenberg has had a fight for everything he's gotten. And I'm not saying that Kent Johnson hasn't fought for anything that he's gotten in this sport, but I'm just saying Blankenberg has had to do it at every level, and he has four more years of experience. That's big. Uh, Kent Johnson's going to get there. I wouldn't play him in the overtime. Not or, Look, there are guys that have been here the entire time, and they've earned it. Like, how do you just take out somebody else that has earned an opportunity to play in an overtime that normally doesn't get to and let this guy come in? Because he's uber-talented? Okay. You know, if he's uber talented and he's already got four or five goals, I'll bet he's on the ice during the overtime. 
And I'm not knocking Kent Johnson. I'm just my point to you is he's not producing offensively yet. And I we've seen him make some really creative plays. I've already seen the flashes of what is to come, but they're just flashes. You've got to earn that time. And it's not fair to take it away from somebody else who's been here and has earned it just to give it to this guy because he's the new kid on the block. He's going to get his time. He's going to have his time. I'll bet you within two years, when the overtime starts, number 13 is on the ice every single time. If he does what he should do and grows the way that he should grow, it's going to happen. But they are not beyond earning the time. Everybody is still earning every minute that they get. That's how Brad Larson coaches, and that's the way he has to coach, right to the very end. Because when you set that precedent early, and that's the way you're going all year, if you change it, then you lose part of the attention of the players. And he is not going to do that. As a follow-up to that tweet, Jason R. says, when it comes to Kent Johnson, like not getting more time or not being in overtime, Jason says, this has been a bit of a head-scratcher. You burned a year of his entry-level contract, so play him. Jason, you don't just throw him out there to get knocked around and not earn the ice time. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You were going to burn up that first year of the contract anyway. That's just the way it goes now. Okay? You get a three-year entry-level contract, and the first year was going to be burned in this, this situation anyway. So who cares? But you got to earn it. You also can't put the kid into a position to fail. That is just, to me, that's just as important as, you know, somebody else earning it and then you taking it away from them just because he was a fifth overall pick and that being the primary reason. Because as a player, you know, hey, I'm playing better than this kid. Why am I not out there? I've been here the entire time. I've been busting my hump. And now this guy just shows up out of nowhere and he gets to go play. I mean, that's not right. That's not fair. And that's not how they're going to do it. But they were always going to burn that contract. But he's got to learn how to play in this league. And if you say, we'll give him more minutes and he'll learn it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Earn to learn. Okay? When you're out there and you get the chances, you have to earn more chances. And he will. He will. We all want to see him just jump right in and and be the most noticeable player on the ice. And we thought from watching highlights, I'll, I'll put myself in this, from watching the highlights, that he had coming out of college, I thought the same thing was going to happen. I guess I was hoping it was going to happen. I forgot about the reality of this league. This kid's going to grow. He's going to get bigger. He's going to learn how to take a hit. He's going to learn how to give a hit in this league. Every league is different. Every league is different. And he will adjust. It's not a head-scratcher for me. Here's the next question from Troy is the worst. It says it took the Blue Jackets most of the season – in a college signing to find their sixth defenseman, but in small sample, it appears that Nick Blankenberg is it. Does the team count on natural growth, roll into next season with Wawrenski, Gavrikov, Peak, Boquist, Bean, and Blankenberg as the likely top six defensemen, or more changes needed to improve the D? Okay, here it is. Let's go step by step. Nick Blankenberg was the sixth defenseman for about 40 minutes maybe 35. Then he moved into the top four. So he is a top four defenseman. And you're absolutely right. He is a right-handed shot, and that is a great asset. He plays bigger 
than his five foot nine frame that he is listed at. He plays with heart. He plays with passion. He makes good plays. You always see him on the ice. Makes good plays. So where do they go from here? It's a great question because in Los Angeles last week, he outplayed Boquist and Bean. And then Wierenski got hurt in the Anaheim game, and Boquist and Bean, to their credit, they came back and turned up their game and did a good job. Now Boquist is out again, so it's more opportunity for Nick. But that, I mean, they could go into it with those six. They could. I don't suspect that they will. I think that uh, I think there will be more changes on defense. We've talked about needing a guy with toughness, at least one guy with toughness. But let's say you need two guys that can play and are tough. Ideally, in my opinion, you get one that's a forward, one that's a defenseman. So who comes out of that mix? Well, it could be anybody. It could be anybody right now. I mean, but you're anybody's, as we're talking right now, this very second today, the two names are Boquist and Bean. Because you're not, I mean, with a healthy Wierenski, he's not coming out. Andrew Peak has improved leaps and bounds this year. Gavrikov is Gavrikov, not coming out. So there's three. Blankenberg, if he continues to play like he has been since coming here, there's four. And then there's those other two guys. And look, they were both acquired in trades. They are both guys that are expected to figure into the future here. So I'm, I'm just saying, if, you, if you're going to ask me today to pick four who I feel are safe and two that have work to do or that could be, you know, maybe you get somebody else and, and one or both of them is involved in getting somebody else's. I don't know, but that's how it is today. Could change. If you would ask me after the L.A. game, I would have said the same thing. And then after the Anaheim game, I might have said something differently. But, you know, but to break it down as it is right this second, that's how I see it. Ray Howe says, Blankenberg really reminds me of how Nathan Gerby plays. Small in stature, but not afraid to get into it. Any thoughts? Yeah, Ray, I think you're right. And maybe that's why people have uh, come to love him so quickly. Because you love Nathan Gerby. Still do, obviously. Uh, just small guy going out there and giving it everything that he has. So I think you're exactly right. They're Look, they're in the same category when it comes to their size, but I think they're also in the same category when it comes to their sense of the game, how smart they are, how they read the plays in the game, and how they just leave it all out there with every game that they play. One more Blankenberg question here from Siebes says, can you explain how a contract would work with Nick? My understanding is he'll be a restricted free agent after this season. Would he still get an entry-level contract if he's re-signed? He doesn't get an entry-level contract because he was signed as a college free agent. The entry-level contracts go to drafted players. So when you're a, a college free agent, it's a different story. So what they did is they signed him to a quote-unquote one-year deal, which was just for the remainder of the season. But by doing that, he is a restricted free agent next year. You do have his rights, but they can come back and sign him to whatever they want to after this year. They could sign him to a one-year deal, two-year deal, four-year, five-year, whatever they want. And, you know, for Nick, this is working out great, I think, for him because he comes in, and this seems to be what he has done in his entire hockey career. As he said on last week's Inside Edge, I bet on myself. 
and I, and I don't know what the proposal was from the Blue Jackets. Maybe this was the only choice that he had to take the deal that he got. Or maybe he could have done something else and said, you know what? Maybe I'll just take less money right now and I'll prove to you that I can play and then we'll talk when it's over and I'm going to get more money because I think that's where he's headed. I think that's exactly where he's headed. He's going to make some money. So good on him. But the way that contract works, this is not an entry-level contract. This is one-year deal, and now he can sign in the offseason for whatever they decide to sign for. So it's a little bit different when you are brought in as a free agent as opposed to being a draft pick. All right? So there you go with that. Thank you for your questions. Again, we're down to the final week. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Heading to Tampa today, playing in Tampa tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Let me check that. I always get this, uh, I always assume that everybody plays at the same time, and then every once in a while somebody will sneak a 7.30 in on me, and I'm not ready for it. No, I'm right. 7 o'clock on Tuesday in Tampa. The home-and-home home series with the Lightning continues and concludes, I should say, on Thursday at Nationwide Arena, final home game of the year, a nationwide arena coming up on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And then the Blue Jackets fly out after that game to go meet up with the Pittsburgh Penguins one more time and close out the 2021-2022 season. What a season it has been. And we can go back and retrospect next week and talk all about it. And we can laugh and we can cry and we can do whatever we want. But that's for next week. There's still a week of hockey left. The Blue Jackets still have games to be played. And that number is down to three. Two against Tampa, one against Pittsburgh. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in Tampa. And the pregame coverage will begin at 6.30 on both the Blue Jackets radio network and on Valley Sports Ohio. Thank you for all your questions today. I appreciate it. That will do it for this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tel Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.